Praise God, I'm Bill McMurdo, this is Emrys Podcast, this is Being the Difference, and it's our third message, it's our third uh, dive into this glorious subject. Uh, the premise, it's a biblical premise, and it's a powerful, powerful principle, that what you do in your private life impacts the nation that you live in, impacts the nations, Okay. And we we know this from various places. We've already looked at places like Psalm 128, which is a, a song of ascents. In other words, uh, the levels that you go through as you're blessed individually, touching your family, touching your community, touching your city, touching your nation. Um, we saw how in Ephesians chapter 3 that one of the purposes of Ecclesia is to impact heavenly realms, principalities and powers in heavenly realms. So transformative, um, being transformative uh, all throughout the cosmos, all the way into the spiritual realm. And I believe that he's talking about principalities and powers, both good and bad, in other words, both kingdom of heaven principalities and powers, but also those fallen ones. The fallen ones, uh, we demonstrate the wisdom of God to them, by being the church, uh, and of course there's a corporate aspect to that, um, but um, what, what it's really saying is that what we do in church and what we do in our individual lives impacts principalities and powers, and even angels who are in God's presence and, and all the time, and there are things about the God they serve, the Lord they serve, that they don't know that only the church can reveal to them, and you know, I believe that's what Lucifer didn't like, and he got in the huff, and um, messed up, and so that's why where we are today. But I want to continue by First Timothy chapter two, looking at verses in there. Now I preach this a lot, so you've maybe listened to me teaching on this in previous messages, uh, podcast, YouTube, or in person. But let's just go back into it because again, there are certain, you know, there are life verses for people, and and these are I would say life verses for me, and I teach them a lot, and you know every single. Um, Lord's Day service on a Sunday, we we use these verses, we pray for nations, we pray for people, and so on. Let's just read them. Verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, not somewhere on the list, or maybe sometimes, yeah, I've been in prayer meetings where this is never followed. You know, we're preaching for Auntie Jeannie Soto, or, you know, un un Uncle Joe's Lumbago, whatever it is, you know, uh, we're preaching for all kinds of personal stuff and maybe a little bit for the church and we'll, preach, we'll pray for the pastor but we don't. <laughs> That's just me being uh, a little bit, um, you know. Because people just get into prayer for what they want. They don't, they don't do what Scripture says. First of all, in other words, handle the priorities first. Then you can pray for Auntie Jeannie's toe. First of all, he says, I exhort therefore that first of all, there was priority prayers. It says supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, if you understand the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant was designed and is designed to bless every family on earth and every nation on earth and everybody came from a family. In other words, you weren't knitted, Okay. And you didn't come out of test tube. Um, you weren't cloned. You were born 
of a father and a mother, however messy or messed up your background was family-wise, um, you came from a family. So God's purpose through Abraham, the Abrahamic blessing, is to touch every family, touch every nation. And so this prayer is in accordance with that. The big picture, in other words. God wants you and I engaged in the big picture. Not just praying for us four no more type prayers, but praying for big stuff. Praying on a global scale. Prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, all of these things. Be made for all men. Now, then he says, for kings and for all that are in authority. Now, we looked at that in our last message about how we impact kings by just doing what we're supposed to do, which is which is more about being who we're meant to be, meditating the word, being men and women and children of God who meditate his word, commune with him, praise him, spend serious time with him. In other words, we're sold out Jesus freaks, if you want to use that term. We're, 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 we're about Jesus and that's it. Now, when we do that, we impact kings and we impact, therefore, the nations. Why Why does it say pray for kings and all that in authority? Because after it says pray for all men, because men are reached through the gatekeepers. Kings and rulers are their gatekeepers. You win a king. You know, the reformers understood this. The early reformers, they called them the magisterial reformers because they understood that if they won the magistrate, if they conquered the magistrate, whether by getting the man born again or by just getting the man so much fear of God in him that he would open up the city to them. Because leaders, rulers, magistrates, nobles, kings, presidents, prime ministers, they're the gatekeepers of people. You know, if the president of a nation says, you can come in and preach the gospel, then that's an open door. If the president of a nation says, no, you can't come in and preach the gospel, that's a closed door. So gatekeepers, pray for gatekeepers and for all that are in authority. Then he says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. In other words, to impact the nation, pray for the leaders of that nation. To impact a business, pray for the leaders of that business. To impact an organisation, pray for the, the leaders. Then he says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. He says here you'll live a quiet and peaceable life. If you don't think there's a lot of peace, a lot of honesty, a lot of godliness going around, which there isn't, then that means there's a lack of prayer, friends. We're not impacting how we should because we're not praying how we should. Prayer's part of this personal devotional time that impacts nations. Okay, Prayer's part of it all. It's, it's sadly a neglected part, but it's also sadly uh, a part that some believers, they don't see anything else. They don't even see that just by meditating the word, communing with God in their beds, communing with God in their own private lives, that impacts nations too. It doesn't always have to be just prayer. It can be praise. It can be meditation. Whatever comes out of your mouth will change your nation. Whatever comes out of your mouth is the game changer in your nation. So he's saying here, we do all this stuff for kings, that when we lead a quiet and peaceable life. Verse 3, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. So let's do it. If it's good if it's good in his sight, let's do it. Verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So what he's saying here is if you want to impact the nation and create a revival atmosphere where all men are saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, you want a Christianized society. You want a Christian nation again. Then do what he says, which is pray for all men 
pray for leaders. In other words, get your mouth engaged in changing your nation. Get your mouth engaged in transforming society. Okay? Now, let me take you back to Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus gets them all up in the mountain and then he says to them, uh, you guys, are, uh, well, let's just go there. Let's, let's not paraphrase. Let's just read what Scripture says. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. There are two parts of the Great Commission. One's in Matthew's Gospel, the other's in Mark's Gospel. A friend of mine, Bert McCaig, points out that we've done a great job of Mark's Great Commission, which is to preach to every creature, preach the Gospel. But we've not done so great a job in Matthew 28, where he says, The eleven disciples, verse 16, went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Remember that mountains, mountains are... Uh, metaphor or a metaphor for kingdoms or nations or empires or powers and it's interesting Jesus sent them up a mountain when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted and Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power all authority that is is given unto me in heaven and in earth so let me put it this way if Jesus has all power or all authority then that means somebody's got none Amen. If he has it all, that means everybody else that thinks they have authority doesn't have authority. And it also means that anybody who has or exercises authority in the earth, kings, rulers, and so on, what he's trying to say is they're there by sufferance or they're maybe there by endorsement. What I mean by that is, is that God has raised them into that position or they've been raised into that position and God for now is allowing it. And why is he allowing it? Because he wants us to make the decision whether they should stay. Let me just say this. It's not just about elections. It's not just about once every four or five years you put your cross in a box. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what will you put up with in your nation? Will you put up with a wicked ruler, a wicked leader? who brings in laws that are against God's word. Well, if you do, he'll put up with it too. Jesus will. Why? Because he's delegated. Look, it tells us here, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore. And that, that's power of attorney. That's saying, go in my authority and teach all nations, King James. Uh, but what it means in the Greek is to disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, not necessarily talking about water baptism there, folks. He's talking about immersion. In other words, what he's saying is immerse them in the name. There's a baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, I believe water baptism comes into this. But how do you water baptize a whole nation? He says, disciple nations and immerse them in the name. Are we doing that? Now, I remember when Britain was immersed in the name. I'm old enough. I went to school, as did many, many, many other people, millions of children. And every single morning, you were made to say the Lord's Prayer, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen? So the nation was immersed in the name. And I tell you, when they took that prayer out of the schools, this nation went downhill. Oh boy, did it go downhill. Why? Because you didn't have hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of children saying every day, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You didn't have that. 
You see, that's how you disciple a nation because people of a certain age and above, they, they know that prayer off by heart. Baptise them. Disciple them. And it, it literally means you bring them into subjection. And it doesn't mean people from the nations. It means the nations. The nations is the subject there. And, and if you go, there's plenty of things online you can read about this. Um, where where it, it, it very clearly says in the Greek, he's not talking about making disciples out of the nations or from the nations. He's talking about discipling nations, not individuals. Individuals is Mark's commission. Mark 16. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, we're supposed to teach kings and nations the word of God. We're supposed to be people. Oh, but you can't cast your spells before swine. Now, there's an application that I get that where, you know, you're wasting your time, you're wasting spiritual resources, you're, you're you know, you're casting pearls before swine. I get that. But there's still this general thing that we're to teach all nations and that all nations will come to the mountain of the Lord's house, Isaiah chapter 2, to learn of the ways of Zion. So, this is part of it. Prayer for kings, prayer for all men, prayer. As part of this discipling process, whereby we teach nations how to be blessed by becoming discipled by the Lord Jesus. Now, we're not imposing an ecclesiocracy, as in, you know, we're going to set up a church and you guys are going to obey the church. Um, you know, I'm talking about as a human institution. The church is meant to have dominion, the ecclesia of God but not in that direct, naked power grab way. We're supposed to do it really by influence and, and by being um, the place that people recognise that we have the glory of God. They come to the glory, they come to the reality of God's love for them, God's blessing for them. They don't come because it's imposed upon them in a dictatorial, tyrannical way. And some people have tried that, and, and it's just a mess. It's a cult. It's a... It's just, it's horrible. It's a spirit of religion. It's a dominating, tyrannical, ungodly, satanic spirit. But we're still to dominate, still to have dominion, should I say. I, I like to use the word dominion rather than dominate because we're not dominating human beings. We are dominating, supposed to dominate uh, the powers of darkness because we don't wrestle against men, flesh and blood, we wrestle against principalities and powers. In other words, we're engaged with principalities and powers for the souls of men. So that's and that's another part of discipling nations. So but again this whole business is about being the ecclesia, being the difference. Ecclesia, the true ecclesia is the difference. Now that's in a corporate level, but of course there's a private, personal, individual level. We looked at that Psalm one, blessed is the man and then, of course, understanding that historically, um, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 were always regarded as one literary unit. They were always uh, used together in readings and so on because there had to be that understanding with the people of God. And there, there must be again today. 
that really the most powerful thing you can do. And you know, we used to talk about people being a witness. And, you know, or your witness. Now, who are you witnessing to? You're witnessing to uh, the community around you. But you're also, according to Ephesians chapter 3, if you go read it again or, or listen to our first message in this series, you're manifestly witnessing and demonstrating to principalities and powers in heavenly places. So just being you, being a, a believer, being a fervent, you know, God-soaked, spirit-filled, Bible-believing, tongue-talking, devil-stomping man or woman or child of God, just by doing that, you impact realms that are unseen. You, you impact heavenly realms. You impact your nation. If there's enough of us, you know, you, we talk about a tipping point. But, you know, you, you, you can't live the Christian life for 100,000 other believers. You can only live the life that God has given you. And so it's so important for us to live a life that's a great witness and testimony to whoever's looking. And let me tell you, more people are looking than you ever maybe would, would, would think about. People are looking at you that know you're a believer. Uh, people, uh, and not only people, but principalities and powers and spirit beings, demonic and maybe angelic, of course, they're definitely angelic. People are looking at you, creatures that are in the unseen realm are looking at you. And some of them are looking how, how they can trip you up. Others are looking to, with astonishment because, you know, they saw you back then when you were in, you know, <laughs> when you were a wretch. And they're looking, going, look at the change in that guy. <laughs> Do you remember we used to, uh, we used to have to guard him coming out the pub because his mum was praying for him. But he was in there getting wrecked and fighting everybody. And he was such a wretch. Look at him now. Wow. And demons are looking and going, well, I remember we used to have control of that guy and now we don't. So, witness. You're a witness and people are witnessing you. Um, so there's an impact that you have beyond you. It radiates out. Psalm 128 starts with you, then gets into your family, gets into your community, into your city, into your nation, touches the whole cosmos. It's supposed to. Amen? It's supposed to. Herein, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, herein is a love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, as Yahweh is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Because what it's telling us here is that we can have an impact beyond our, uh, beyond our bubble. You're just a, an immediate bubble. That impact radiates out when you pray. It, it, it changes atmospheres when you have the high praises of God in your mouth. It changes things when you meditate the word. It changes things when you speak a word of blessing upon someone. It changes things when you preach. I used to preach a lot in London. I mean, an awful lot in London. And other places, but... The reason I mentioned London is because where I preached was right in the heart. And I I know a little bit about intelligence and things like that. And I, and I was aware that, you know, when you're in the centre of London, you know, you, you things are picked up by 
the intelligence services because they're always looking for threats and they're always looking and, and, and they want to see what's going on. So I was aware that sometimes when I preached, maybe not to a lot of folks in the church at the time, but I was always aware that it was an audience very possible and plausible beyond who I was speaking to because of the proximity to the, the offices of power and so on. But, you know, that, that, that's not getting too Walter Mitty. These things happen. But, but more even than that, when you're in a big city or anywhere really, but in a big city, you understand. You're speaking to principalities and powers. You're speaking to um, forces, and many of them wicked, that are overmanned. They're still a renegade and outlaw uh, dimension to that because Jesus defeated them at the cross. So, so they're, they're, they're really illegal usurpers. But they are over cities and they are over towns and they are over even villages. But you have principalities and powers. And so what I was trying to say is sometimes when you're preaching, even if there's, there's not a big crowd, you're releasing into the atmosphere of that region, that territory, that area. You're releasing God's word. So really, in a sense, the primary audience isn't even the people listening to it. You're speaking beyond them to principalities and powers. Okay? You're not communing with these, these creatures. You're not, you know, engaged in weird stuff, speaking to angels, fallen or otherwise. But you are releasing God's word which changes atmospheres over territories, over cities and regions and areas and towns and villages. You're releasing God's word because there has to be a change of atmosphere. There has to be something that happens in the spirit realm. There has to be something beyond just the human audience level. Okay? You have to impact territories. And we do that often when we preach. And you have to be conscious of that. As I said, I was very conscious of it when I used to preach in London a lot because, you know, you're, you're there. It's a territorial thing. And now I'm pastor here at a church in Glasgow. I'm aware of that. I'm aware that when I preach to uh, my congregation, I'm not just preaching to them, I'm preaching to Glasgow. Now, and I'm preaching to the streets around. We've got quite a lot of built-up area around our church. They say, well, they're not listening. They, they can't hear you. But principalities and powers can and atmospheres can change if they can change through prayer they can certainly change through preaching can't they they can certainly change when you praise God and worship him they can certainly change just by meditating the word just by communing with God in an area you change the atmosphere of that area now I want to get that across to you so we're going to keep looking at this that's us for now First uh, Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 go read them and you'll see uh, and meditate them for yourself. Understand that what we do in our private devotional life uh, or our corporate prayer worship life impacts nations, impacts the nations. Uh, so the Lord bless you till next time. We're going to keep looking at this. It's a great subject to touch on and minister about and get clued up on and have revelation about. Because, because it will transform. Not just your ministry, it will transform your life when you understand that with intentionality, everywhere you go, you're impacting where you are and beyond. The Lord bless you till next time.